want to just add to what Nathan said about the children. How great, how great. It's so beautiful, so wonderful to see, awesome to see these children presenting the gospel today through this, this musical. And I know we're proud of them, and I know parents are proud of them, grandparents are proud of them. And I, I, there are two or three observations that I made during it. I noticed that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the cameras come, you know. <laughs> and they're, they're everywhere. Grandparents, and some of them had one in each hand, I think. But I noticed also how quickly they disappeared. The only one left with their camera out is one that Marguerite has, and she has it set for a selfie. Y'all help her out from under the bench over there, will you? <laughs> she doesn't like me to do that, but it helps me to, helps me to relax, makes her nervous. But anyway, seriously, seriously, great. This is great, Becky, all of you, all of you people who helped them. Now, I want us to think about it. I want to just follow up a little bit on what, on what they've, they've shared with us today and how, what it should mean for us in Luke's gospel. And when they had seen it, the shepherds, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and for all the things they had seen. What did they do? What did the shepherds do? They told the good news. The songwriter says, tell the good news. Tell the good news that Christ is born. Tell the good news to everyone. I want us to think about that for just a, just a few minutes, some questions perhaps that we need to answer. And they've helped us to answer the one about what is the good news. The good news as expressed by Isaiah and others in the Old Testament and Matthew and Luke and others in the New Testament. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Not just any child, but Jesus, the Christ child. Christmas, you see, is more than than just a heartwarming story about a baby. Christmas is a story about a Savior, one who came, God sent him because he loved us. We didn't have anything to pay the sin debt with, and so he sent him as our Savior. I don't know if some of you may have seen this, uh, this conversation on Facebook that uh, Woody had with, with Warren. Where, where are you, Warren? Wave at me. And when he asked Warren, what is Christmas? Jesus was born as a baby, Warren said. That's right. And he died on the cross, and he rose the third day. Oh, that's good, buddy. But then he, he concluded with this, and if you don't believe in Jesus, Santa's sleigh won't fly. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm not, I'm not so sure how that fits scripturally, but... But I know this, I know this, if you fail to appropriate Jesus, allow him into your heart and into your life, if you fail to allow him to be the Lord of your life, then things won't fly right in your life. The good news is that Jesus came, died on a cross, rose the third day because he loved us. And that is the good news, Warren. You had it exactly right, buddy. That's the good news. Jesus loved us. Well, you may be thinking, is that all I need to know? 
do I just, is, is it enough for me just to know that Jesus loved me, that he came and died for me? No, that's not the end. In fact, that's just the beginning. And you say, we, we, some, there has to be some kind of response. We respond yes or no. We allow him to come into our life or we don't. We respond. You say, how do I respond? Just as the shepherds did. The Bible says they hastened, they hastened to Bethlehem. And they were thrilled and excited when they, when they found in a stable across the way, in a manger filled with hay, wrapped in swaddling cloths there lay the Lord of life. John in his gospel says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him might not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus came, he lived, he died, he conquered death. You see, you see, the good news is Jesus has done his part. He said it on the cross. It's finished. The response is up to us. The hymn writer says, Come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, love, and power. And then, and then his response is in the, in the chorus. In the refrain, he says, I will arise and go to Jesus, and he will embrace me in his arms, and in the arms of my dear Savior. Oh, there are 10,000 charms. My friend, that's the good news. Christ came to provide salvation for you and for me, and if we're willing, if we'll allow him to, if we'll ask him, he'll come in and embrace us in his arms. You say, well... I know that Christ came, that he died, that he rose, that he ascended to heaven. I believe that, and I've acted on that. I've responded to that. I've invited Jesus into my heart and into my life. Is that it? Is that all? Is there anything else? That's not all. That's great. That's great, but that's not all. Listen to what Luke says again in, in, the, in chapter 20, verse 20. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. They told the good news. They told the good news just as the children reminded us. They told the good news. Here in this passage of Christ's first witnesses, and I can just see them in my mind's eyes. They go back through the countryside, waking up everybody around with their, with their exuberant joy and with their, their, their songs because, you see, they had good tidings. And the Scriptures say they spread them abroad. They shared what they knew. How important that is, how unselfish that is. Think with me for a moment. I, uh, what about, I wonder if, what we would think of Dr. Sparks. And he's, he's, Miss Sparks is back there. Dr. Sparks has probably had an emergency. He's usually back there in the back. But I wonder what we would think of him if he had developed a remedy for back pain or for hip pain or knee pain. One that would cure all the pain that anybody would have. I'm telling you, some of us in this room would shout for joy. Some of us would say amen even. <laughs> but that, that would be good news. But he decided he wouldn't share it with anybody. He said, no, I'm just going to keep it because I might need it when I get old. Wouldn't that make us angry? Wouldn't we be upset with that? Surely we would. But you know something? We have greater news than that. In fact, we have the greatest news that anyone needs to know. And many times we fail to share it. 
Many times because uh, perhaps uh, we're selfish with it, but because perhaps we're too timid or we're too busy or, or we feel unprepared. We think, we think it's the responsibility of somebody else. It's the preacher's responsibility. He's, he's the one that gets the big bucks. He's the one that stands up here on the stage and tells us what to do every Sunday. He's the one who ought to be doing the telling, and he ought to be, but he ought not to do it all. He can't do it all. He needs some help. Well, you say there's the deacons. They get to pass out the, the juice and the, and the cup and the, and the bread when we have the Lord's Supper. They get to take up the offering even. Shouldn't they be telling? They should. But they're not the only ones. What about the missionaries? Uh, what about Lottie Moon? We, we give all this money to Lottie Moon. Shouldn't she be telling? She did. She did. And, and they do. But that's not all. What about the Sunday school teacher or mom or dad or my friends? Surely all of us, all of them. But, but not me. Not me. That, that's just too big a task for me. I can't do that. I, I, somebody else can do it. Reminds me of a story that I read some years ago. These two young guys <coughs> were sunning themselves out in the, beside this country grocery store, out in the country uh, alongside some big woods. One of them was this towering big fellow, massive frame and bulging muscles. And the other one was this small chap who was very evidently fascinated by the, the bulk and the brawn of his companion. And the little guy said, man, <clears throat> what a man you are. You're about the most man I've ever seen. Do you know what I'd do if I was as much of a man as you are? And without even turning his head, the big man said, what would you do, little man? He said, I'd go over in them woods, and I'd find me the biggest bear over there, and I'd tackle him barehanded and alone. And I would tear him jaw from jaw and limb from limb just to show what a man I was. That's, that's what I'd do. And the little fellow's grinning face bespoke the admiration that he had for this, this big giant that he couldn't put into words. And very slowly, the big fellow looked down on this little guy and with, that, with just a slight jerk of his head, he said, listen, little man, there are plenty of little bears over there in them woods. Why don't you go catch one of them for you? <laughs> you know something? <clears throat> you know something? You know something? There are plenty of bears that are our size if we're just willing to catch them. Now, you may be thinking, well, I know all this. I know all this, but I still have a couple of questions. Who am I supposed to share with? Just my friends? Just those people that I know? Just the, the, the people who are the same, wear the same clothes as I do or same color skin? You remember, you remember what Jesus, when Jesus was asked a question about who is my neighbor? And this was in response to a statement that he made about loving our, our neighbors, uh, loving our neighbors as ourselves. And Jesus answered with the story of the Good Samaritan. I'm not going to tell you the whole story of the Good Samaritan. You can read that. But the bottom line is that he told these people that they needed to love even those who treated them despicably. Everybody. Love everybody and share with everybody. How better to share Christ's love with someone than to share with them the really, really really good news that we know about Jesus Thursday morning I walked into the office and on the counter there was laying a picture that somebody had drawn and I said it was a picture of a manger scene and I said Gina who did this 
She said, 40. And she said he wanted to draw one for everybody in the church. And he said, she said, I, I told him we probably didn't have time to draw one for everybody, but we, we could print one maybe for everybody. And then she said, why do you want, one to ever, want everybody to have one of these pictures? Because he said, <clears throat> he said, I want to share the Lord. I want to share the Lord. Wow. From the mouths of babes. Forty, I wish everybody, ever, all of us, wanted to share the Lord like that. And you know something? You say, well, how do I do this? I know all these things. I know all these things. But how do I do it? And there are a lot of, lot of help. We, we had a study not long ago about, in, in, on Wednesday night, about some things, how we could present the, the gospel. There are a lot of things that we can do. Uh, and when it boils right down, we can just share our own faith, how we, how we came to know Jesus, how, what, what happened when we invited Christ into our heart and into our life. And you say, well, that's, that's not easy, and it's not easy. It's not easy, but you know what? It, it's a lot easier, some easier, if we'll develop a relationship with people that we want to share with. If we'll, if we'll let them know who we are and let, let them and earn their trust and their confidence in us and earn the right to share the good news with them. There are a lot of opportunities that we have, all kind of opportunities every day. There's people whose path crosses ours, opportunities that we have to share if we, if we just will. Sometimes it's just a chance encounter that we have. And somebody, somebody crosses our path. And we take advantage of that opportunity to share the love of Jesus. I want to illustrate. I want to illustrate. I want to tell you how one man, how one man took advantage of the opportunity that he had to share the love of Jesus. A pastor tells this story. A businessman, San Antonio, Texas. Great Christian gentleman. Came to his pastor's home late one night about two weeks after Christmas. It was cold. It was rainy, kind of like yesterday and today. And he was, the pastor was, was shocked at, you know, what's, what's wrong? There surely must be something wrong for you to be out in this kind of weather. And he said, no, nothing's wrong. Nothing wrong. Everything's fine. But he said, I just had to tell you something that has made this Christmas the most beautiful Christmas of my life. And he got comfortable. They got comfortable before, before the fire, and he, he began. He said, about four weeks ago, my brother gave me a new car for a Christmas present. And he said, one evening a few days before Christmas, I came down out of my office and I walked over to my car. And he said, I noticed this little boy who spent a lot of time on the street walking around the car, and he was touching it. And he was peering through the glass to see what was on the inside. And he said, he said when I put my key in the door, he came around on the side where I was. And he was dirty. His clothes were ragged. His shoes were almost worn out. And he said, that little boy squinted up at me. And he said, mister, is this your car? And he said, I, I, I smiled at him, and, at him and I said, it sure is, son. Isn't it a beauty? And he said, mister, how much did it cost? And he said, when I told him that I didn't know, he dug his toes down against the sidewalk for a minute and was lost in thought. And then he began. He said, I wished. And the man said, I knew what he was going to wish. He was going to wish that he had a brother like that. And he said, I had the answer ready for him. But, but he didn't say that. 
And what he did say jarred me all the way down to my heels. He said, I wished I could be a brother like that. He said, what would you say, son? He said, I wished I could be a brother like that. And he said, it confused me so that, that I didn't have an answer for him, and I just blurted out, well, wouldn't you like to take a ride in my new car? And he said he looked down at his clothes, and, and then he looked back at the car, and he said, no, sir. He said, I'm so dirty. And your car is so new and clean, he said, I'd muss it up. He said, son, you may be dirty on the outside, but you're mighty clean on the inside. You come on. You get in my car. You'll do it good. And he said, we got in the car, drove down the street, and we hadn't gone very far, and he turned to me, and his eyes were just glowing. And he said, mister, would you mind driving in front of my house? And he said, I smiled as I turned the big car into a half alley and a half street. He said, I thought I knew what he wanted. I thought that he wanted to show his neighbors that he could ride home in a big car. But he said, I had him wrong again. And he pointed up ahead. He said, right up there, right up there where those two steps are. Would you, would you pull over there and would you wait on me for just a minute? And he said, I pulled the car over and the little boy jumped out of the car and up the sidewalk and up the steps on the inside. And then, and then after a little bit, he said, I heard him coming back. But he wasn't coming back as fast as he had gone. In fact, he was coming down like he was carrying a load. And I, on the inside steps, he said, I could see his feet first. And then I could see two more feet withered and dangling. You, you see, he was carrying his little brother, and paralysis was written all over him. And that, that well boy brought his little brother out, out, down those steps and out the sidewalk and sat him down on the curb as close as he could get to the car. And he put his arm around him, and he pointed at the car. There she is, buddy, just like I told you upstairs. His brother gave it to him, and it didn't cost him nothing, and someday I'm going to give you one just like it. And that man said, I got out of my car, and I went over and sat down by those two boys, and I said to that well boy, so, so that's the reason you wanted to be a brother like that. He said, yes, sir. He said, you see, I go downtown, and I see all the pretty Christmas decorations, and I see all the, the toys for Christmas and all the new clothes. And, and he said, I try to remember them, and I hurry home, and I try to tell him about them. But he said, I can't remember them like they really are. And I can't tell him about them like they really are, so someday I'm going to give him a car so he can go see them himself. And he said, son, we won't have to wait till then. I'm going to put both of you in my car, and I'm going to show you anything you want to see, and I'm going to let you pick out anything you want, and I'll buy it for you. And he said, Pastor, I put up a Christmas tree in that home, and I put some gifts under it for those two boys and for their mom. And he says, Pastor, this has been the greatest Christmas of my life. You see, you see, this man had learned that it's more blessed to give than to receive. He understood what, what, what the word says about loving God and loving others, loving our neighbors as ourselves. The poet says, a bell is no bell till we ring it. A song is no song till we sing it. 
Love in your heart was not put there to stay. Love is not love till you give it away. My friend, we have the good news. We have the really, really, really good news. And the challenge for us is to go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it to everyone. Tell the good news. Tell the good news. Tell the good news. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for the good news that you provided a way for us to know you, to serve you, to love you, to love others. And God, I just pray that you would help us to understand that the way that we show our love for you is to love others. And I pray that this Christmas season will be the greatest of our lives as we practice that, as we go and tell the good news of Jesus. There may be some in this room who need this morning to respond to the gospel, to accept, to respond to that good news, to invite Jesus into heart and life. There may be those who have done that but are, are yet are not sharing, are not telling. And there's something that needs to be done today between individuals and you, God. And I pray now as we offer an invitation, as we sing this, this hymn of invitation, that, that people might respond today to Jesus Christ. Lord, you know our hearts, you know our lives. Help us, Lord, to respond as you encourage us to this day. We praise you and thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.